Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to our show today. Uh, Randy, we are going to enter a new short series on one of my books that we haven't talked about yet specifically, and that is talking to your kids about sex. Well, I think it's a great idea for our audience who are, uh, by this point, they're pretty well um, aware of your other books, Healing the Wounds of Sexual Addiction, and your Three Men of Valor books, and The Pornography Trap, and you and Debbie's uh, great uh, book, Seven Desires of Every Heart, and this is a this is a book that uh, again is a um, it, this is a great book that we don't talk about often enough. Well, I think part of that is because I'm you know um, this is an honesty program as we say, and it's an honesty show. Uh, it's a book that I don't think about very often because uh, I was more or less talked into writing it uh, right? back in. The 90s and how did that take place? Uh, bring us back in time and let us know how this book came to be. Well, it's because of the fact that uh, whenever I was out there speaking, and sometimes you know, like David Letterman, I I keep a list of my top ten this or that. Uh, one of those lists is the top ten most frequently asked question. One of my uh, most frequently asked question over the last 25 years is, how do we talk to our kids about the fact that we're struggling uh, in our marriage, number one, that dad has uh, committed some form of adultery, whether it's uh, simply through pornography and masturbation or through, you know, other uh, relationships, the, yeah, yeah, relationships across the flesh line experiences. Um, so that's kind of where it started, um, that the, the couples that we work with are kind of continually asking us about uh, what is appropriate to tell the kids, when do they tell the kids, and so forth. And uh, that led me to thinking about that topic. Um, I went at the time, this was back in the early 90s, uh, Debbie and I were visiting uh, Pat Carnes and his wife, uh, the founder of our field, uh, up at their lake home. And uh, I asked him, I, you know, I said, what do you think is the case in terms of uh, the, the men that we work with uh, telling their children about their addiction, about their uh, sexual history, at least at some level. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first words out of his mouth w were, uh, I believe it's a moral imperative. Moral imperative meaning that, you know, this is a must. You yeah. Know, you really need to. It's uh, very important in the lives of your children. It's a parental responsibility. Right. That's right. So... You know, I, I have only to remember back to uh, 90, 87, I'm sorry, when I went off to treatment. You know, let's say I disappeared from the home for 30 days, which was the case. And uh, what what uh, was I or Debbie supposed to say to the kids about sure. you know, where was dad, you know? Right. Uh, well, dad's at a hospital. Well, what, what for? You know, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Uh, it became rather clear to us that, you know, we had to be honest with them at some level about what was the exact nature of the problem. As far as they would have known that, you know, dad might have cancer or something. Right. So um, we took it very seriously early on that, you know, at various uh, 
levels of specificity, you know, we get into talking to the kids about it. Uh, Carnes just felt that, you know, all of the men that we work with when we get them as adults, you know, they all have questions about their own parents and what their parents struggled with. And they all pretty much have the universal experience that their parents never talked to them at all about sexuality. So as God would have it, I think uh, this morning, uh, I was talking to one of my clients in another state and uh, he was just saying that uh, he and his wife are facing this question, you know, what do I tell uh, to my, in his case, two daughters. And uh, he's been, you know, a very conscientious father all along about trying to be involved in his daughter's life and their education and their education about sexuality. He's taking this very seriously and now he faces, you know, a very difficult choice about what is he going to tell these two girls uh, about their own father. And I think the most standard fear that, you know, the men have is, well, you know, my, my daughters look up to me and, and uh, they respect me. And uh, if I tell them these kind of uh, details, they will uh, stop respecting me, stop listening to me, stop allowing me to be their father. And uh, I'll lose my, my influence and in, in my role in their life. And I think that's a very legitimate fear to have. Uh, what we know to be the case is that those fathers who are courageous enough to enter into this journey of being honest about it, they, uh, they do tend to have better relationships with their children eventually. Uh, sometimes right away, sometimes it may take a year or more for, for that to happen, but um, it, we still feel that it's, it's very worth it for the fathers to uh, get honest with their children about their story. And not only uh, does it apply to those men who are going through this struggle themselves, but just as an overall uh, resource for parents to be informing their kids about healthy sexuality. Right. Because there just seems to be such a, uh, a, a wide span of uh, how adults themselves learned about sexuality early on right. was this something that you learned about from your friends right. were your parents <clears throat> forthright and knowledgeable enough to right. share this information did you learn about it from a from a youth minister or 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 your pastor right. uh i think it's it's interesting because as you and i um have now conducted several of the fight of your life events it's one of the questions on our uh ev- the, our evaluation form is how did you learn Uh, You know, what were your first um, exposures to learning about sexuality? Because it wasn't always in a healthy way. It was in the basement of the neighbor who had the pornography. Uh, So a book like this can, Mm. you know, be highly beneficial to any caring parent who wants to uh, educate their children. Yeah, that is right. And uh one of the things that I, I think you're alluding to there is that the average man that we work with has a definite sense of abandonment when it comes to his father talking to him about sexuality in a healthy way, uh, and uh, even worse, his mother talking to him in a healthy way about sexuality. So one of the themes of the book is that uh, moms and dads together need to talk to their kids about sex. It's not just the the father taking the sons off and the mother taking the sons off and or the daughters off and having a you know a one time conversation with them about the the biomechanics of sexuality but it's uh really a lifetime of conver- uh, conversations in fact that's the the subtitle of the book 
So, yeah, based on the idea that there is this question about what to tell the kids about the addictive part of dad's history, there then becomes the larger question, how do you talk to your kids about those issues if, in fact, uh, you have never talked to them in general about sexuality? And that's what enlarged the question. And uh, I I distinctly remember at that time I was working with a uh, publisher that really wanted to know, you know, what are some of the topics that I that I had inside myself that I might want to write about. And um, I listed a bunch of things, and, and but one of them was this most frequently asked question, you know, how do we talk to our kids about sex? Well, of all the various ideas that I gave them, that is the one that they picked up on. And the next thing I know, before I really had a, much of a chance to think about it, you know, I had a, a book contract, and it did kind of force me back in the 90s to take a look at this uh, in a more serious way. And, you know, the result of that is is this book. And it's still out there. It's still being used. Uh, and uh, we're going to start today to kind of get into some of the content of it and uh, just do a series on uh, the various stages of development that a child goes through. And that's one of the principles of the book is that, you know, we need to have conversations with our children at all stages of their physical, emotional, and spiritual development. Well, this is a good time for us to take our break then. And uh, when we come back, we will jump in uh, to, uh, to this uh, very deep pool of knowledge that you have on the subject. Um, you're listening to Dr. Mark Laser. This is the Men of Valor program. We'll take a short break and we'll be right back. Do you struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops, led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at FaithfulAndTrue.com to learn more. That's FaithfulAndTrue.com. Now for the Trigger of the Week. Trigger of the Week, Randy. Um, before we uh, came down to the uh, studio today, I was thinking about uh, 
trigger of the week, and we do get feedback from a variety of people. And I was just for some reason aware of the fact that there are wives that listen to our program, and uh, maybe it would be uh, important, helpful, inclusive at some point to say that it's not just the men that get triggered into their uh, inappropriate thoughts, but it's uh, also women who get uh, triggered into you know, various emotional reactions to things. So perhaps occasionally, and certainly with Debbie's help too, we could come up with some um, triggers of the week for the wives. That affect the wives. That yeah. affects the wives. I think that'd be an important thing for us to try to do. Now, let's be clear. At the moment, we're not talking about the wives being sexually triggered, although I'm aware that that happens too. But I think uh, more than that, we're talking about a category of, you know, how do the how do the wives get triggered into some of their emotional reactions to things? And I'm going to start today with this perhaps ongoing occasional thing we'll do in terms of a wives' trigger of the week and give um, the listeners an idea of what I think is the largest category of triggers here, and that is uh, lying. Uh, one of the things we've discovered through our research here at Faithful and True is that the average wife, uh, more so than I would have ever thought, can can deal with and handle a lot of the details of their husband's sexual history, whatever that history may be. It's been amazing to me how much they can forgive, you know, in that regard. But what is really hard for them is if there is ongoing lying that their husbands are just not becoming truth tellers. Now, this can happen even when the husbands have gotten honest about their sexual history and uh, maybe told all the details of their sexual history. But given the fact that a lot of the men are so trained since childhood in uh, to avoiding other people's reactions, they may lie about lots and lots of things. Uh, they may lie about why they were late uh, home from work. They may lie about what they're planning to do over the weekend. They may lie about what they're thinking or feeling. So in other words, if someone asks you how you're feeling like your spouse and you say, I'm feeling fine, but in fact you're feeling sad or angry or anxious or something, if you say you're feeling fine, that's a lie. So um, what the what the trigger means to the uh, average spouse, I think, is that if my husband is lying about his feelings or is lying about his schedule or lying about this or that, whatever it is, well, maybe he's lying about uh, bigger things bigger things in terms of his recovery and sobriety and that kind of thing. So I, I know a lot of the men who catch themselves. I, I was talking to uh, a man uh, just the other night in group and said, I, you know, I recognized the other day that I had lied to my wife about something so totally insignificant. It was just part of my historical pattern, and I told her something that wasn't true. Uh, I caught myself right away, and I corrected it. So I think that's a huge deal, but uh, I do I do know that this ongoing pattern of uh, not telling the truth about everything is a is a huge part of a husband's uh, ability to get well is to become a truth teller in all things, not just in the sexual part of. Uh, well, I, I think that that's a, a trigger, uh, as you explained it. I think that's a trigger that's beneficial for men and women alike to uh, to hear because the men with a history of lying, mm -hmm. as most guys with addictive personalities will admit, right. um, you know, it, it's been going on for years. And to even uh, develop the ability to identify when you're telling an mm -hmm. untruthful statement, uh, that can aid them greatly in in their recovery. Right. 
So that's that trigger of the week. And uh, if any of you wives are listening, I'd be curious as to your reaction to that. And uh, send us an email and you know encourage us in this direction if you'd like us right. to talk about more. It's as, it's as simple as sending an email to info at faithfulandtrue.com. We'd appreciate that. That's right. Even if you want to be critical of something, we appreciate that. Oh, yes. All right. So uh, moving on with the book... Uh, I got the contract to write the book, and uh, then I started delving into the topic. And one of the first things that I thought about is is oftentimes the case for the couples that we work with is that uh, they want to have some idea about how to talk to their children about sex. And in most of their cases, they haven't talked to each other about sexuality. You know, Don't get me wrong. They've experienced it, practiced it, done it. Uh, but since dating days, there's just kind of been a, a level of silence between them about sexuality and about uh, the, not just the mechanics, but the theology of it and the emotional nature of it and so forth. And so um, I thought in the book it would be very important to have the first chapter be uh, titled this, which it is, by the way, and that is, if you're going to talk to your kids about sex, you need to talk to each other first. Am I not right? You're looking right at the book. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Am I right or wrong? Well, you're right. Uh, the, in the table of contents, it's referred to as preparing to talk effectively. Well, okay, that's how the publishers changed up my title, which is an intro into the story behind this chapter. Mm-hmm. So I send in the manuscript uh, that I've done and and uh, about this whole thing, and and uh, I've got the first chapter, Preparing for the Talk. Preparing for the Talk is talking to each other about your own sexual experiences, life, beliefs, theology, if you have one, uh, and so forth. And the publisher uh, wrote back and said, uh, we think the book is great and we want to take out chapter one. We want to make chapter two, chapter one, and uh, just take that whole chapter out. You kind of deal with it anyway in the second chapter, which is about how a couple can develop a, uh, a, a concept of healthy sexuality. And so, you know, that's the preparation, and uh, we want to take chapter one out. And I wrote back and said, why? Uh, it's, a, you know, it's a kind of a foundational chapter. And they said, well, because we think uh, the average uh, Christian couple will be intimidated by that chapter. That it will turn them off from reading the book. Uh, or, in their case, given the fact that they're publishers, from buying the book. So uh, we just think it'll affect sales. Well, quite frankly, as, as I'm <clears throat> excuse me, looking at the table of contents, it's quite the opposite because what you have done by sticking to your guns with them is you jumpstart the book, first of all, in the introduction by explaining that it's a challenging task. But, but you jumpstart the book with preparing to talk effectively, what is healthy sexuality, principles for healthy conversations, and then you start to get into the age groups. Well, that's right. So in other words, uh, that one of the ideas here is if you haven't prepared, if you haven't talked to each other, if you don't have a concept of what healthy sexuality is all about, um, what are you going to talk to your kids about? I think uh, historically and unfortunately, uh, most parents tend to talk about what not to do. Um, I talk to so many fathers who say, you know, well, I'm going to instruct my um uh, sons uh, or daughters about the dangers of looking at pornography or the dangers of 
getting involved in masturbation or the the dangers of having sex you know with a partner too early on before you're emotionally ready for that um, so you know if we don't come up with something that's more proactive, positive, encouraging, and about healthy sexuality, uh, all we're going to teach our kids are the dangers and the don'ts. Um, I want to help parents avoid that trap because I've talked to so many uh, kids and I've spoken on a number of college campuses over the years and all the kids, you know, say the same thing. You know, we wish that our parents would have told us the positives, you know, not the the negatives only. Uh, so, now, having said all of that, so there's going to be three chapters worth of preparation for this conversation. And the first chapter is, uh, how are you going to talk to your kids about the do's, the don'ts, the dangers, the positives, the visions, God's theology of healthy sexuality? How are you going to talk about those things if you haven't talked to each other? So what are we thinking? Dad's going to take the sons off and tell them one thing. Mom, this is a common story, by the way. Mom discovers pornography in the son's room and uh, she uh, would very much like to you know uh, confront that uh, but that mom and dad haven't talked at all about any of how they want to approach this kind of issue and maybe mom doesn't know at this point that uh, oh yes her husband did struggle with this at the exact same age and uh, that kind of thing. One of the interesting sociological uh, developments that I think has happened since the book was written is that uh, as we get more younger couples into our office here, couples that are just married in their 20s and 30s, um, we're finding that it, it is more common that you know even in their dating relationships, the topic of sexuality did come up. They're being more intentional, more proactive, and they're discussing each other's sexual histories. One of the things we found is that couples who are capable of of sharing honestly about any previous sexual experiences, including with partners or pornography or masturbation, those couples are more likely to be able to get into marriage, confront whatever issues around sexuality that they're having, and if they if they have had an experience of talking to each other uh, prior to marriage, it becomes a whole lot easier to have a healthy conversation about uh, whatever issues they're now confronting. Well, isn't it also true that in our modern uh, era, there is a, a much higher awareness of the sexually transmitted diseases that are out there mm -hmm. uh, that, um, you know, you want your children to be aware of that circumstance because multiple partners, mm -hmm. uh, anonymous partners, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in this age of hooking up, uh, you know, they really, mm -hmm. you're going to want your kids to be savvy uh, about the dangers that are out there. Well, that's right. And some of the statistics today are really interesting. Let us let me just put it that way. You know, whether they're sad or not or uh, frightening or not depends on your perspective, I suppose. But, you know, the truth of it is that um, 80% uh, or more, I think, of Christian couples that are getting married today have had sex prior to marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that, that percentage has gone way up uh, since the Victorian puritanical uh, times uh, that uh, I know Debbie and I were raised in. But, um, the, okay, so if that's in fact true, would it not seem also logical that some of those earlier sexual experiences are going to affect your sexuality as you engage and emerge into it in your marriage. So 
doesn't it make sense that you would talk to each other about that? Now, you know, let's be honest. The, the, the most obvious fear here is that if I discuss my history with my uh, date or you know my fiance, um, the marriage is going to get called off. Uh, you know, uh, she's not going to like me. She's not going to want to be with me. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, so I understand that there's a lot of dangers about this, but understand that if you're you're entering into a marriage and you you've had secrets, you you have uh, secrets from your past, uh, you're going to be kind of continually wondering if my spouse were to ever find this out, uh, then would that be uh, devastating or uh, dramatic? Uh, so it kind of builds in a lack of honesty. This leads directly back to today's trigger of the week because right. I mm-hmm. think that there's a tendency for, for uh, without these important conversations taking place, that the the man involved can have a whole history of needing to lie about what hasn't been talked about. Right. So we're talking about building intimacy. Uh, one of the key foundational points about this book or any of the things that we talk about is that, you know, a couple needs to get to greater levels of honesty and intimacy and vulnerability with each other so that they're willing to talk about their histories. Uh, now, I think uh, as I'm conscious of the fact that a lot of wives might be reacting to this right now as they're listening, uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, we're, we're not saying that if the husband has a history of sin and you know acting out and so forth that we automatically want you to just talk about your history too uh, to equalize things what we are talking about here is um, the willingness to um, take risks to be honest about our life experience and um, it, we're, we're starting to see by the way just in the last year or two uh, when we when we do lead a husband through full disclosure about their sinful sexual history in the marriage, that uh, not that the wife has a sinful sexual history in the marriage, but that that some of the wives are, in fact, uh, more than willing, more willing than I would have thought to talk about their sexual history even prior to marriage and to kind of catch up, uh, clean up. And, and part of that is to be companions, you know, to see that, you know, some of the difficulty uh, that arose in our marriage around sexuality may have had to do something with uh, both uh, husband and wife's history going into the marriage. It's like sexual full disclosure on the part of both the husband and the wife, which really could be the foundation of a very truthful relationship. Yeah, and one of the things that, uh, you know, I know we're coming to the end of our time at some point here, and you know, there's one main point that that I that I really want to stress, and that is that uh, so many of our couples, really all of them, I mean, when they get into marriage, um, they have been ill prepared for what the reality of sexuality in marriage is all about. So they go off on the honeymoon, although that's a kind of a dying thing. You know, the the honeymoon idea you know nervous anticipation for the event well what i'm talking about is the fact that in the old days there was some assumption that the honeymoon was going to be the time in which you experience sexuality for the first time these days 
It's, that's no longer the case. I mean, 80, 85% of the couples have already had sex going into the marriage. They don't really need to go off to some special time and special place to have sex for the first time. They've already done that. So, you know, couples are delaying honeymoons. They're not having one. They're taking them a year later. The marriage and, was consummated long ago. Yeah, long ago. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I, having said all of that, <clears throat> I think a lot of uh, people go into sexuality ill-prepared they haven't thought about it uh, they've maybe experienced uh, you know earlier sexual experiences they've looked at pornography they've had a history of masturbation um, uh, maybe in you know in some cases and we know that this is a fairly high percentage actually uh, both the wives or the husbands have been sexually abused somewhere in the past do you not think that that kind of history developmentally you know, growing up from zero to whatever time you get married do you not think that history influences you know the level of of uh, connectedness that you're going to have around sexuality and marriage um, to go into marriage thinking that okay all of a sudden now we're married and it's legal and it's okay and it's morally accepted by the church um, now um, sexuality is going to be fine yeah that's really a crazy idea you know just because now it's all of a sudden okay that that means that we're just going to automatically be good at it and know how to do it in a healthy god-centered christ-centered way no that's that's not the case at all uh, uh, I think that the the couple who is going to get to uh, God-centered, healthy sexuality is going to have to talk about all of their history and even the history with, of sexuality in the marriage. You know, and so, that's something a lot of couples never talk about either. You know, that they've been unsatisfied, this or that, or that they've had problems, frustrations, maybe even sexual disorders, uh, dysfunctions. You know, in the relationship. The more I get talking about this, the more I, you know I think that. Uh, how are parents expecting themselves to have healthy conversations together as parents with their children if they haven't uh, healed their own sexual relationship, if they haven't talked about it, if they haven't found help for it, if there are secrets, skeletons in the closet, abuse history in the past. You know, sometimes I think that the parents who are the most black and white about the don'ts are the ones that have had negative uh, sexual experiences themselves in the past. So... We need to talk about these things. That's kind of the bottom line. Well, and that's the whole reason behind this series that we're launching today. Yeah. I think that we have introduced the subject, and uh, hopefully it's a subject that our listeners uh, will embrace and will uh, receive uh, some beneficial information from. You've been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. This is the Men of Valor program. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host. We thank you for joining us today and thank Ben Laser for his assistance as our engineer and technical director. And we look forward to continuing this conversation on talking to your kids about sex on the next Men of Valor program. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at FaithfulandTrue.com. That's FaithfulandTrue.com.